Welcome to the show for coaches, speakers, and personal brand businesses. This is Speaking Influence. My name is Johnny Ball. This is the show where we dive into the world of influence and persuasion to help you build professional authority and become an ethical influencer, as well as developing your own powerfully persuasive communication skills. Guests include all sorts of experts in and around the world of influence and persuasion. We've spoken to neuroscientists, psychologists, coaches, professional speakers, professional comedians. We've even had secret service members, ex-cult members on the show, and more besides. Our aim on the show is to give you tools that you can learn and apply in your professional and even in your personal life to help you not only get better at what you do, but build a powerful following as well. Things like finding your authentic voice and developing your professional charisma are absolutely essential these days in becoming a known personal brand. So stick with us as we guide you through the maze of ethical influence and persuasion, and even sometimes take a look at the unethical side of things so that we know what we're dealing with and can make sure that we recognize it when we see it and hopefully steer clear of it too. This week, I'm joined by a professional podcaster who really has made a name for himself in the world of podcasting. One reason being he set up an amazing site called Podmatch, which is a place where podcasters and podcast guests can meet up and connect and help each other out. And also pod pros for those who are in the podcasting world who are looking to step up their game and become well known for what they do. His name is Alex Sanfilippo. You will hear me mispronounce that very badly at the start of the show. However, luckily for me, Alex didn't mind too much and gave me a suitable correction. But the conversation is very much an exploration between both of us as podcasters and people who are in the world of podcasting as to where there is currently power and potential in podcasting for you to be able to grow your own influence and develop your communication skills and become really known for what you do. So I hope that wherever you are, however you're listening to the show, that you will get a ton of value from it. So enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. Welcome to Speaking Influence and today I am really excited to be joined by someone who just in a category of guests that I haven't had on the show before, and I've been looking forward to this conversation. So let me welcome officially Alex Sanfilippo. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Johnny, so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. That's close enough on the last name. It's Sanfilippo. Nobody ever even San gets Filippo. close. You were like right there. You could have just you could just blame it on the accent, honestly. <laughs> so that would work. <laughs> there you go. I'm just going to say it's my English accent. There you anyway. go. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you here. And, and one of the reasons I'm so excited to be speaking to you is because you are Mr. Podcast. I mean, you're very involved in the world of podcasting. And the way we got connected was through a site that you actually run. And we're going to talk a bit more about that a bit later on. But we are going to start off by me asking you what I ask all of my guests at the start of the show as to who for you is somebody that you look up to, respect and admire in terms of their influence and persuasion and how they've used it. Yeah, Johnny. So as a listener of Speaking Influence, I, I knew that this question was coming. So I prepared what I was going to say. And then this morning I was listening to your, to your podcast because I, I enjoyed you do a great job of the show. So I was listening. You have a really fantastic episode that I recommend everyone listen to with, with Grant Baldwin. Well, Grant mentioned the same two people I was going to mention. He mentioned Aaron Walker and Michael <laughs> Hyatt, which are people that he knows. And I, I know Aaron Walker personally. And I've met Michael Hyatt once as well. But that's someone I've always looked up to just is the way that 
they both create content, the way they show up in the world, the type of men that they are. I just really respect that. So I'll mention somebody else because it's funny. I was listening to that this morning. I'm like, wow, Grant literally took what I was going to say, but <laughs> we're probably pretty like-minded. But I'll, I'll mention Brendan Bruchard is somebody that really, Brendan Bruchard. And uh, I mean, he's, he's a high performance coach. He has a, a yeah. book that really spoke to me called High Performance Habits. And one of the things that it talked about was courage in that book and courage being the thing that sometimes will hold somebody that's a high performer back if you don't have the right amount of it. And courage simply means like being afraid of something, but then doing what you have to do anyway. And I remember when I read that, it really brought me into this next phase of life that I've stepped into and into podcasting full time and things like that. But that wouldn't happen without his influence in my life. So I've just always really respected him and looked up to him. Great. Well, a, a great choice as well. I'm fairly familiar with a lot of Brendan's work as well. It's a good guy. So Gustav, that gives us a bit of insight into you as well and to who you follow. And uh, definitely you and you and Grant Baldwin should be connecting, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Some, <laughs> some, some cool things in common. And, and it was a lot of fun to have him on the show as well. You seem to have a very entrepreneurial background, but not just like in general in life, but from a very early start. I mean, you had that entrepreneurial mindset at a very young age from what I've read about you. So just want, before we get into talk about podcasting stuff, tell us a, a little bit about that. Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. I'll, I'll keep it brief. But uh, it's funny, when I was a little boy, I was 10 years old, if you can call it, I think that's still a little boy, you know, um, I was just a young little guy. And I can remember at that age being really self-aware, which is kind of weird for a 10-year-old kid. But I realized that a lot of my friends were really good at school and I wasn't. And I was trying really hard. I wanted to like be as good at them as, as they were at school. But I would like fight really hard to get a C grade. And I was like, man, this is just, this is tough. And at the same time, we'd play sports in the afternoons. I lived in a neighborhood with a lot of kids. So we'd always play sports. I wasn't very athletic compared to most of them. I have brothers and all of them were really good musicians. I couldn't keep, I can't clap on beat, you know, like I, I was like, man, I'm not really good at a lot of things that these other guys are good at. Uh, and the last of those things was video games. I was like, surely I'll be good at this then. Wasn't good at that either. So it's kind of like a weird, like, again, for a 10-year-old kid to be that self-aware of the fact that, hey, and I wasn't beating myself up about it. I was just like, I'm not really great at these things. Well, one day I was outside playing on the golf course because there was one right across the street from our, our house. And we all, you know, the, the golf course grass is unbeatable to a kid. So, you know, we were all playing out there like we weren't supposed to. And I found a golf ball and I picked it up and I was just kind of looking at it. And right as I did that, like a golfer was riding by in a cart and he just yelled. He goes, hey, kid, what does that golf ball say on it? And I was like, Titleist Pro V1. He's like, I'll give you $3 for it. Well, as a 10-year-old kid getting $3, I was like, uh, sure. So I gave it to him. He gave me $3. And then a light bulb went off. I was like, if there's more golf balls, probably in these lakes, because all these guys are terrible at playing golf, I bet more of them will want to buy them. And at that moment, I started selling these used golf balls to golfers. Every Saturday morning, me and a couple of other kids in the neighborhood would sit down but I found the first thing that I was actually really good at, which was just business, as weird as it might sound, but like actually picking which kids would go search for golf balls based off how good they were, which ones could talk to adults and not be weird, right? To get their money and not get scammed. Like all those type of things. Like basically, I just started building a system around this. Somebody had to clean the golf ball. Somebody had to collect all the money. Somebody had to organize it and send it out to everybody else type of thing. And yeah, I didn't have like an, an LLC filed. Like it wasn't legal necessarily. Sorry, US government. A 10 year old kid was getting some cash that you didn't know about, you know? Like, but. At the end of the day, I learned a lot about myself and about how I interact with people and about business. And from that moment on, I was like hooked. That was what I was good at. And I just kind of ran with that. And obviously, selling golf balls was short-lived. I think I went, did that for maybe maybe two years. But after the age of 12, you're not really cute enough to get away with selling somebody their golf ball that they hit in the lake the week before, <laughs> right? But that was kind of my start to, to entrepreneurship. Yeah. 
But it does it does really speak to this thing. I, when I was reading that in your profile, and I was thinking, it does really speak to this thing of you are someone who looks and sees where there are opportunities. And when you see that, you seem to also be someone who really goes goes into that and, and plays full out for those opportunities. And I think that that is quite aspirational in itself. I mean, at 10 years old, I mean, the best I was doing was you know, in, my, in my breaks at school was playing piano or playing keyboards. <laughs> right. And that's most of what I was doing outside of school. I never let myself get into computer games. I mean, when I was 10 years old, they weren't that good to get into, I guess. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I never let myself get into them because they were just a bit too addictive for me. And I was aware of that. Mm. So I, I thought, if I do that, no one's ever going to see me. You know, right. <laughs> if I do computer games, that'll be it. Um, so I stayed away from it and I, I did my music practice instead. But, you know, it's just, it's just weird. That it's like, that, that was the thing I thought, I guess I thought I was going to go into later in life. Now it's just, it's just fun. It's just a hobby. But I really admire this sort of thing of at such an early age, having some clear opportunity identification ability and, and that that stayed with you throughout your life. I want to ask you then where you first started to see that there might be some opportunity in podcasting. Yeah. So it was actually for a while, like I, I went through and did some entrepreneurial things throughout high school and into my early 20s. And then I ended up in an organization where I was able to be what now has been coined an entrepreneur. So somebody who's in an organization, but you have an entrepreneurial mind. Uh, so I did 15 years in the aerospace industry. And quick disclaimer, because everyone always just assumes I was an astronaut, skydiver, or a fighter pilot. I was none of those things. I worked behind a computer. I ran commercial operations, ended up being a, a senior director, part of the executive team of a publicly traded company. It was a parts manufacturer. Really cool experience. Toward the end of it, though, it went big corporate. Like I said, so it was a multi-billion dollar organization, publicly traded. You can't really be any form of entrepreneur at that point, especially at my high level of that organization. Like Everything I did took six months to apply. At that point, I realized I was like, man, I want to go back to my first love. Like we just talked about, Johnny. Like I was talking about being a kid who was selling golf balls. Like I literally wrote that down one day. Like, man, I, I don't want to go back and sell golf balls, but I want that rush that I was getting. And I know that I need mm -hmm. to get out of big corporate if I'm going to do that. And I tried a few things because just assumed after that many years of like starting businesses, again, throughout high school, my early 20s, and then going into a 15-year corporate position that I'd just be set up for it. I would crush it. And here's the thing. I didn't. Like I kept on making mistakes. I kept on having failed attempts of side hustles. Like I just kept on trying things and I wasn't beating myself up about it. I had a good stable job that I didn't hate. Like my last year there was my best year. So like I did really good till the last day I was there. But I finally figured out, I'm like, you know what? I need some, I need some coaching. I need some wise counsel. Like that's the only way I'm going to ever figure out how to make something that works. And that's what got me into podcasting. I actually decided to start one to talk to people that were successful entrepreneurs that left some sort of nine to five or traditional job to step in what they wanted to do. And it's funny, I didn't think that podcasting would end up being the vehicle. I just thought it was going to be free coaching for me, right? Like, that's <laughs> you, you know how that goes, Johnny. Sometimes that's selfishly, I, I we, do. we as hosts, sometimes we bring on people, you're like, my audience will probably learn something, but I'll for sure learn something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I see it more as a side benefit. But yeah, 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 that's good. No reason why you shouldn't see it as a main benefit. Right, yep. <laughs> so maybe I had the wrong idea initially. But anyway, I, I got into podcasting and... Uh, like you probably did too. I mean, Speaking Influence is a huge show. You've done a really good job with it. You've got a great audience. And, but initially, like you probably didn't really know what you were doing, right? Like the, the first- Oh God, no. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> no idea. Me, like I remember even just being yeah. like, what the heck, do I need a microphone? Like, not. I'm not trying to be cheap. I'm like, what? Like there's one built in the computer. And then it took someone being like, no, dude, you need to have a microphone and here's why. Um, so your audience yeah. wants to actually listen to you. Anyway, so I just started- when I got into podcasting, I just realized the community of podcasters were such nice people. 
like everyone was willing to, to lend a helping hand. People were like, come on my show so you can get some listeners for your show, like all kinds of things, just being super helpful. And I came again from that aerospace organization, like just the industry in general. It's a cutthroat industry. There's a lot of money in it. So it's very like, it, it's very competitive, very aggressive. And when I got into podcasting, there was this, instead of scarcity mindset, there was this abundance mindset that everyone's like, let's just help each other and all do better. And I fell in love with that, Johnny. Like I was like, this is, yeah. this is where I want to be. And so my, my show did really well, thanks to help of other people. Like it, I didn't know what I was doing. My show did really well. And it got me up to speak on some stages with podcasting. And one thing led to another. And I decided to jump all in on the idea of podcasting. But really, it was not what I expected to be. And if you would have asked me five years ago right now, if I was going to even be in podcasting at all, I'd say, no, why would I do that? Right? Like things have just really changed because uh, I fell in love with the industry and found some needs in it. Yeah, I can, I can very strongly relate to what you're saying there as well. I didn't necessarily know that those that were going to be part of the podcasting package. I just thought it could be a fun thing to do. It was a bit of a project diversion and yeah, it's uh, it ended up growing into that. And when you start connecting with the communities around podcasting, it is full of amazing and generous people who, who are very happy to help you. And uh, like yourself, I've gotten so much advice along the way. And encouragement as well, because most podcasters, I don't know about you, Alex, but most podcasters at some point feel like quitting because oh, yeah. it's hard work. Yeah. You had a few of those moments? You know, I, I never, never a serious moment like that. But sometimes when I'm working like late at night, especially initially when I was launching, I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, like I wasn't going to stop, but I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? But I think it's good that like, I know that you offer some, some coaching in this area, which if, if, if somebody, if I would have talked to you before I started. I, I would have never even had those like minor thoughts because it would have just set me up yeah. for the right success and the right mindset up front. You don't know what you don't know. And podcasting is more work than many people on the other side of the mic realize. Like we, we enjoy shows listening to them, but the amount of work that goes into what you're doing right now, Johnny, like with, with speaking influence is crazy. And I feel if you can get yeah. somebody when they're first starting right before they start and just have that conversation with them, I mean, that's worth, that's worth a lot of money because you're going to waste a lot of time if you don't actually have that conversation. So the fact that you do that, I think is great. Thank you. Yeah, it really is. I, w I wish I could go back to that time now as myself and give myself that advice or, or speak to somebody like you or <laughs> right. someone who really knew what those doing. Because I wasn't even aware. I'm not saying there weren't podcast coaches at that time. There may have been, but I certainly wasn't aware of them. And I didn't really realize how much of a difference it would make because it did seem like it was just one of those things that you just get yourself on a microphone, record some stuff and throw it out there and see what sticks and right and really and we both we both work. know it does not work like that but it initially we both <laughs> thought it did as well that's why that's the value of, of coaching but I, I think that when i'm not sure exactly when you started i know you, you've been out for you have, i think like at time of recording like 135 episodes or something like that you've been at it for it's a bit we're getting around getting, okay uh, yeah i i started i started a show back in 2012 mm -hmm. but that was about eight episodes and then i quit and then i started off again in 2019 it's like quite a big gap and but a different format a different theme with the show and and so i i started it would be mid-october 2019 so it's almost two and a half years yeah i i don't know is it before that there was as much of the coaching and stuff like that going on it's just good that it's around now so. like it's great to yeah, yeah. see it especially 2012 that did not exist <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's also interesting that you know coaching is often one of those things that people tend to follow fads and crazies and there's a lot of people seemingly trying to move into the podcast coaching space and a lot of them aren't even podcasters so it is an interesting it's an interesting thing to observe 
I just want to find out a bit about you then. What made you decide to start a podcast in the first place? And uh, I, I know because I've checked this out, but for the audience's benefit, tell us a bit about what your podcast was about and why you started it. Yeah. So going, going back to, again, wanting to leave corporate, I was looking for that free coaching. So the, the whole idea was it was called Creating a Brand. And we've rebranded since then, which is funny, but it was called Creating a Brand. And the idea was I want to talk to people who have successfully created brands for themselves and moved out of a nine to five job. So I just started interviewing those people. And, and bringing them on the show. And that was like the, the idea of it. And I was curious. I think that's what made it really take off is that I wasn't pretending to be something I wasn't, if that makes sense, Johnny. Like I, I wasn't trying to be like, oh yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. I didn't know what they were talking about. I was struggling to make the transition they made. So I just started asking very curious questions. And because of that reason alone, I think the show started growing because it was like, oh, this is real. Like this isn't one guy trying to BS his way to the top. Like he's actually saying like, I don't really understand how you left your job. And like, how can I do that? And um, so because that was really helpful, but that was the whole idea of the show, creating a brand. The idea was, can we help early stage entrepreneurs make that first or next step in their business the right one? And many of them had side hustles at that point. How can they take it to something full time? And that's exactly what the show helped me do and help a lot of people do as well. Yeah, it's funny with this kind of thing of podcasting is one of those mediums where I think you can set up a show and be like um, just out of curiosity because you want to learn more from that and be that person who's asking the question because it does essentially make you the avatar of the audience even more so you're not necessarily there as an expert speaking to other experts but you're there as a non-expert a lay person who is speaking to the experts and learning yourself with them and that is possibly what makes that format more accessible for a lot of people i mean that's pretty much the whole of joe rogan's show right isn't it? he's just yeah. like this this childlike curiosity of just asking questions and um, and looking stuff on up online and having a chat about it, but he's not generally doesn't come to these things, hopefully from an expert <laughs> position, right? Unless they're, unless they're talking about comedy or or wrestling or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I think that's a good point. So you, you mentioned the avatar. Initially, I was the avatar. I quickly learned that I needed to actually have one, so I went back and like really figured out. Uh, it was a variation of myself and some of my most loyal listeners, if you will, the people that were always like encouraging, reaching out who I didn't know. I would talk to those people, and just say, hey. Can you explain to me like why you're listening? And like I, I built an actual avatar, and that was something I went back and did again. A proper coach at the beginning would help you define the avatar, so it's not too much for you. Yeah. Joe Rogan's the exception to every rule in podcasting. I have people all the time. And I'm sure you do too. You coach people. They're probably like, I want to do kind of like what Joe Rogan does, and your first thing you say is, No, it will not work because it, it won't. He's the exception to every rule in podcasting. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, and I think there are still people trying to start that startup podcast and wondering why it's failing. But you know, it's it's fair enough to experiment oh, with yeah. that stuff. I just think that's that's a bit of a painful way to find out that that <laughs> yep. all that isn't going to work. <laughs> better, like you said, better to get a bit of coaching on it first before you start before you start a show. And from from your perspective now, what do you see as being the benefits for people in podcasting now? Where is the potential at the moment? Yeah, you know, it, it's no longer what people used to go after. It's, it's, about, it's about influence. I mean, I love that the show is called Speaking Influence. It's, it's about influence over a small niche, little group of people. So, so many people in podcasts and they get into it thinking, oh, I need like thousands of downloads. I need this, I need this. The truth is, I think the days of needing that giant audience are, are behind us. Now it's about finding that narrow focus that you want. And just to use like a totally random example, it's just because I just saw somebody out the window walking their dog. If you start a dog walking podcast, like how to, I don't know, let's imagine it's, it's for people who have dogs that get anxious about walking their dog because their dog barks at everybody and everything, right? And they're like embarrassed by it. How can you train that dog? Or like, 
how can you find the right places to walk that dog? Like people have stories about how they've like been able to overcome that fear. Like it's kind of a weird thing that I'm sharing, but I guarantee you there might be at least a couple thousand people who want to hear that. And that is your audience. You don't need 30,000 people listening to that show because there's probably not that many people that will ever find it. It'll be a smaller group of people. But when you think about the influence you can have over those people and how you can sell them things as well, right? Like you can sell them some sort of course on how to train your dog better so it'll stop barking or how yeah. to use a different type of collar that makes the dog feel less anxious. And I'm making this up. I don't actually have a pet. So I could be totally off on how this works. <laughs> it's probably a bad example. I just saw it out the window. But the idea, the whole point is getting it really narrow focus, I think is where the real opportunity is in podcasting. Instead of going so general as I'm gonna have an interview show, I'm gonna interview all kinds of interesting people. That's really hard to do these days because it's already, that foundation has been set. And what I think, again, is more important is finding a narrow niche that you can actually support, help, and grow some influence in. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And I was talking about it recently on the show with, uh, with the people who sponsor the show, actually. And one of the things that I was saying to them is that podcasting is changing in terms of what was once a blue ocean where you could go, start a podcast, talk about pretty much anything, and eventually you would start building up some following probably unless it was really bad but but <laughs> now it's but but now it's a, more of a red ocean there's more stuff popping up more people getting into podcasting and it's still nowhere like as big as blogging or youtube or anything like that in terms of content creation right. but it's starting to get up there and be taken a lot more seriously and, and it's a very different form of doing things as well but because there's so many more people getting into it now if you are not differentiated, if you're not niched into something, then you are really going to struggle. If you are too broad in your topic or who you're targeting the show at, then you are going to struggle to find an audience now. Would, would you say that that's pretty fair? Yeah, I, I definitely would. And the, the, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the people you're referencing are Michael and Tanya. Um, yes. Yeah, okay. They're, they're great. And I, I heard the episode you did with them, which I encourage everybody who's hearing this one, if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. They talked about defining your brand. And they talk about the difference between marketing and branding. And it, I'm not even going to try to go into it. They did a really good job. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that <laughs> episode if you have. It was, it was well done. It was a good interview. But I, I, I completely... It, it really was. Yeah. yeah. And I, I completely agree and, with and, you. And, and a special thank you to you because it was you who introduced oh, cool. uh, Mike, Mike, Michael and Tonya to me. So I definitely appreciate that. Oh, that's great. That. I so love that. It's a very nice relationship with them. So thank you. Oh, for that's it. cool. Thank, thanks for saying that. That's cool. I, I had no idea. Um, I mean, I knew I introduced them. But I didn't realize it, it, that's what led anywhere. That's, that's exciting. Very cool. We'll return to Speaking Influence in just a few moments. Like me, you have a message to share with your audience and it's important. In fact, it could change their lives. But first, you need to be very clear about two things. Exactly who are you trying to help and what can you offer them that no one else can? Because it all starts there. And it's all about your brand. Brandface sponsors this podcast and they help people just like you and me to define, develop and display a brand that positions you as an authority. It's time to make sure you stand out. Find out more at learnaboutbrandface.com. Now, back to the show. It, it really is. But now in, in podcasting, there's a lot of people who may be wondering who should be going into it. Like, should I be starting a podcast or how should I be utilizing podcasts now if I am a business owner? Like, the audience for this show primarily are people who are professional coaches and maybe speakers or maybe hopefully professional speakers and maybe also personal brand owning business owners, which also incorporates the coaches and speakers to some degree. What potential is there for them to have this as part of their business ecosystem? 
you, you know, the first thing I always meant like to mention here is if if you already have something you're doing, like you're a coach, you're a business owner, keeping the main thing, the main thing, as you and I both know, Johnny, is so important, right? Like you've got to do that. And maybe the best place to start isn't by launching a podcast. Maybe it's by being a guest on podcast. I, I do think that you should explore the avenue. I think it should be explored. But maybe the best place to start is saying, talking to Johnny and saying, hey, what kind of mic do I get? Give me like the, the bare minimum I need to be a guest on a few shows and and try that and see if you like it. See if it drums up any business. If it does, then maybe it's time to look to be a host yourself and, and to, to yeah. launch a show. And again, with a focus, with a reason, not just to do it because you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. But I think a good place to start is to try to find a few shows, not not the biggest, like don't go after the, the top 100 shows, right? Find one that looks like they are talking to your absolute ideal audience, your ideal client, like find that little show and just jump on it and see how it goes. See if you add the value and it actually leads to something. To, to me, Johnny, I think yeah. that's, if I were to go back, that's where I would have started. Yeah, to be honest with you, me too. Although initially when, when I started, <laughs> one of the... I'll tell you this, the biggest problem I had was how are we going to find guests for my show? Hmm. Like once I've exhausted my network, once I've um, trying to leverage as many people as I can say, who could you introduce me to? And every guest I was getting saying, who do you know who could be a good guest? It, it got to, a, it got a bit hairy after probably about six months of recording the show thinking, how, oh, how am I going to keep this that's going? That's a good network how am I going to find guests? I could count my whole network <laughs> in my two hands. I remember when I started, I'm like, okay, I'm bringing somebody back because I'm starting with 12 episodes, but uh, that's, that's not bad, but. Well, you know, I hear you. That is a, that is a really, that's a real struggle. Yeah. So, so it didn't really appeal to me, the idea to go and be a guest. Mm. I thought it, it was seeming to be just perhaps just as hard to find the shows as it was to find uh, the guests. And so neither of those paths seemed particularly easy. And now we have a multitude of services around, including PopMatch, which can help us to do this. So now it's so much easier because, you know, I mean, we connected through your service, PodMatch. I connected with quite a lot of other amazing guests on the show through PodMatch. And now it's never a worry whether I want to be a guest on a show or whether I want to find guests for my show. I know where to go. I know where to look. Yeah. I mean, so I, f I find that fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, first off, a great transition in, into that there, Johnny. Thank you. But, but yeah, like that. This service was created, so to, to quickly just explain it to the, the listeners, and I don't want to take up much time with this because it's not the point of our, our talk today, but Podmatch is a service that connects podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. Works really similar like how online dating app would work. Basically, it says this podcast is about speakers. It's about people of influence, right? And it will basically look for people that kind of match that category. That's kind of like their expertise, their background. will match them together. And then you can choose if you want to interview. You can message and stuff like that. The idea was just to make it really seamless to find those connections versus just scraping social media and sending a hundred messages and praying that somebody responds to you without cussing you out. Right? Like that was the idea behind <laughs> it because when Johnny and I launched, like you look at your network, me on two hands, him on within six months, and you're just kind of counting down to when you run out of connections. You're like, okay, like God, when I run out, you got to bring somebody to me, you know, like need a miracle here type of thing is kind of the way that it, that it seems to go. But the idea was to to come up with something that would help people to find that ideal match for themselves. So either as a guest or a host, and uh, I know that it's helping a lot of people. So I'm really glad you brought that up. It's changed the game for a lot of people. It's made it really easy. And I think that whether you utilize Podmatch or a different tool, it doesn't really matter. Use the tools that are available. So you can, again, keep the main thing, the main thing. Find the one that works the best for you and start to automate this side of things. Because here's the thing, Johnny, like on Speaking Influence, great show. Nobody's listening cares how long it took you to find me. Like 
They, they don't. Yeah. It, you could sit here and tell them it took me four months to get this guy. It took this, this, and they're just like, "Cool, can we hear the interview?" You know, like it's a lot of work that doesn't really have any payoff. So the faster you can do that, yeah. finding that ideal person, the better. So if you have a business owner or a coach, speaker, and you're looking to get on some podcast, find a directory of some sort, some sort of service that can just get make that whole process faster for you, so you can get out there quicker. I'm passionate about that, as you can tell. Yeah, and me too, because you know, as you mentioned that I'm coaching people around podcasting, and one of the things that I'm generally saying to people is, perhaps starting a show is not the best place to start. And, and like yourself, I would say now, because it's so much easier to be a guest on other people's shows as well, and we have services like Podmatch, and, and I'll tell you in a moment why, what I particularly like about Podmatch over some of the other services out there as well. But one of the, one of the reasons why it's so much easier to do that is, this is about setting up your credibility. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and certainly people who I talk to, they think the answer to their content not connecting with people, their blogs not reaching enough people, or their YouTube videos not building up a bigger audience, is to just keep creating more. And that might do it to some degree, but realistically, you need to have more points of contact with people and you need to give people the reasons to come and find out about you. And podcasting as a guest is one of the things that can give you the opportunity to do that and for people to have more familiarity and going on to shows where someone has agreed to bring you on to their audience who are already connected with them and already like and trust them gives you that halo effect of the show that you're going on as well as potentially bringing some of your people who might come and listen to you on that show as well and, and crossing over in both ways but particularly if you are looking to get known, build a list, establish yourself in your industry, in your niche, I think it's one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful thing you could do right now. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I love the way you said that. Here's the thing, like me coming on your show, people that are listening today, they already have even subconsciously a little bit of trust for me at this point, which is like the hardest thing to, to build in any business, right? If you see an ad that I send, nobody trusts that ad the first 10 times they see it really, right? Or first six times, whatever it is. Like it takes a little bit to like be like, okay, I've seen this brand around a little bit. But here's the thing. I'm already talking to you. Nobody has their guard up necessarily. Now, if I'm a terrible guest, first off, you would never air it. But two, if they, you did, your audience is smart enough to be like, uh, no, not this guy. Not, you know, he's, he's not right. Um, they'd be able to, to decide that. But initially going into it, they're, they're open-minded. And I think that's the beauty of it. You can develop that know, like, and trust with people really fast through podcasting. And also, it's different than any other medium. Like if you're posting something on, let's just use Instagram as an example. I don't mean to pick on it, just any social media platform. If you look at a picture that has two or three likes, many people don't take that very seriously. They just kind of scroll past it or whatever. And we look at podcasting the same way. Like, well, if it's not getting thousands of downloads, it's not really impactful. But I always compare it to to people sitting in seats. So if if there's a room, like let's imagine only 50 people listen to this show. If there's a room with 50 people in it and you say, Johnny says, hey, Alex, I got 50 people in a room who want to hear from you. Will you come to this stage and talk? I, of course, I'm going to say yes. Now, if you tell me hey, I'm going to post something on social media, 50 people are going to like it. Can you send me all the content? I'm probably going to say no. It's, it's not comparable. It's totally different. The podcasting realm is far more powerful, again, because that know, like, and trust it. I, I am yeah. totally with you on, on the power of this thing. And really, I think it's something more people should jump into. Yeah. And I know I've mentioned to you when we chatted a while back that uh, I've been writing a book. The book's finished and uh, it's just just doing some editing before Can't it wait, comes man. out. I'm waiting and, for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you'll, be, you'll be getting an advanced copy so you can help me check it Good. out, Alex. But, but one of the things in that, that that I talk about is the power to build your authority through podcasting. It's really what the whole book is about. 
And right now, I think the opportunity is probably bigger than it's ever been. I know that YouTube recently hired a director of podcasting. Netflix have now done the same. I mean, it's only going to keep growing. The competition is hotting up between the all of the podcast yeah. main services and all of this. So, so there's just growth and growth and growth, and we're going to see what's happening. But I do think, I agree with some other podcasters who say we are at a stage where the, the sort of record it and throw it out there is not going to be enough anymore. Much like, I guess, YouTube had this for a time as well, where just creating content and getting it out there was okay for a while until things got more competitive. And I think we are getting to that stage now where creating quality content is going to be the thing that really differentiates you. Not to say that you can't still have podcasts that's just for fun. And like, if you just want to do this for fun and a project, you don't care about audience or business and stuff like that, have at it, you know, right. don't wait around, just start doing it. And it doesn't matter. But if you're doing this in any kind of professional capacity or you want it to be a bigger thing, that professional differentiation is becoming more essential now, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And that there, there's always that curve. You, you hit that curve in any industry, right? Like even early on, I'll use the, exa the uh, Instagram example again. When, you first, when Instagram first came out, you could post whatever you want and there was a good chance to get popular. Now what gets popular is really good curated content, like a good looking image. That's what really gets out there. YouTube, we've seen that happen. That's been a couple of years now or maybe even longer than that. That happened. Podcasting is just catching up to that as well. And now at the end of the day, I always like to say this, you can't, you can't put lipstick on a pig and people tell people it's beautiful, right? Like people are not going to believe that if you have bad content, like if what you and I are saying today is not valuable, doesn't help anybody. It doesn't matter how good our mics are. It doesn't matter how high, highly produced it is. It's not helpful because the content isn't good. The foundation of it is the good content. But if you really want to elevate that and maximize its impact, its influence it's going to have in the world, then you need to also put some time into the production. I've heard some really great shows that people put no time into the production. I mean, and there's some like really solid interviews. When I'm listening to the car, when one person's speaking, I have to turn it up. When the other person starts speaking, I have to turn it down. And, you know, I, that takes too much of my focus. I want to hear the content, not focus yeah. on that. If that person would have just put a little bit more effort into it, I could easily share that with everybody I know because they made a really big effort and the content's really good. Those yeah. things are what need to be kept in mind when you're thinking about this. Yeah, if they at least perhaps just listen to what they recorded before putting it True, out, they might, right? have, they might have noticed it for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm aware that I'm still at a phase with podcasting where I'm doing most of the work myself, but I have systemized and processed stuff to a point where it's pretty smooth. Right. Like I can turn around, on average, I can turn around an episode in about two and a half hours. That's great. Yeah, which is which is pretty yeah. cool because it used to take me a lot longer. <laughs> but, you know, with with the tools that are available now, it, it's so much easier. Tools like Descript, which I which I use and absolutely it's love, great. is a podcaster's dream. Riverside, which we're recording on right now, very very helpful. You know, it's it's really powerful stuff, and and has sped up the sped up the learning curve, but also sped up the the processing of stuff as well. But I would still love to turn this stuff over over to other people at some right. point, and that will happen. Yep. See, I see it in the future. You know, so it's what I'm heading towards. It's the it's the dream. It's the dream. But one, one of the things that I think is, is really important to get here is like not just for people having a show, to putting out quality content, but it's really important if you want to become known and build authority for yourself as a guest that you are delivering value. So I've been ranting a bit recently in some of my blog posts that people who follow me on LinkedIn likes might have seen that I had a few dodgy recordings recently with guests who talked a bit too much mm. and didn't really give me much of an opportunity 
on my own show, which I think is a, a little bit out of order, oh, yeah. you know? It's, it's your platform. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, no. I, I end up questioning, like, are those episodes going to go to air? Because if I didn't enjoy recording it, I guess that's going to come across and I'm probably not going to feel very happy yeah. about putting it out there as well. I want at least to have my stamp on, on an episode and for it to be conversational. I, I want to, of course, I want to highlight my guests. I want people to be um, edified through the show and feel like they've got value and managed to talk about their expertise. But I also want to have my voice in there as well. And I think most, most show hosts are like that. What in your mind are the differences between a good and bad podcast guest? Yeah. You know, first of all, I just want to ask, because I'm curious as a host myself, did you end up using those episodes or what did you decide to do? They're fairly recent and I probably won't use them, but this is one of those podcast sort of podcaster questions that um, I feel like I need to at least re-listen to them yeah. and see if there's some usable content because I don't want to deprive my audience of what might be valuable information just because I didn't have fun recording it. Yeah. So, so I do feel that I need to go back and double check that stuff, but those are certainly not the shows that I enjoy the most. I like to have some uh, more interaction rather than someone come and give me their TED talk or, right. you know, wh whatever else. You know, I, I asked because I, I can, going back to like the, the before I rebranded the podcast, over two-year period, I had three episodes I didn't air. And it's funny, I know the three, I can tell you, I'm not going to say it, but I, can, I know the names of the three people that I didn't, like, share the episode with and i just couldn't like i i couldn't do it for the sake of my audience like i owe it to them to be a shield and just like you like i, yeah. I really appreciate the fact johnny that you're saying i don't know if i can share this because at the end of the day you're the audience that listens to any show is there because of the host because they can trust the host if you break that trust by sharing content that isn't valuable that you know isn't valuable you're doing them a disservice and the, the crazy thing is two of those three guests were like ultimate dream guests i always wanted to interview and the interviews weren't okay. Like I didn't do a bad job, just they didn't lead from a place of value, which was is my number one core value with podcasting. Like it has to be valuable for the listeners. And it wasn't. It was valuable for them as the guests, but not for the listeners. And so that that's why I was asking what you did there, just because I think that's a really tough decision to make as a host. But it leads right into your question where you're talking about like what's what makes a valuable guest. I think they have to lead with value. They can't just be there to sell something to make themselves look better. You and I both know this. Like if someone shows up to sell, it doesn't work, right? Like, have you ever had a guest? It's like, yeah. oh, I sold out to your audience and I made millions of dollars off of it. Like, that doesn't happen, does it? Uh, no. <laughs> In short answer, you, I see you holding your tongue there. You wanted to say more, but you're like, uh, no. But no, but you're right. It, it no, doesn't. I'm big guarded, but yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't happen. Um, I it does it does speak to something that has been on on my mind a bit recently, and it could no, it could be a bit of a rabbit hole. So I want to be careful about going too far into this. But just just because it's one of those things that's on my mind doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be important to everyone who's listening. But but I do think it is to the extent of being a guest. Like when you when you got in contact with me about being a guest on the show. You did it the right way. Like you, you added value. You listened to the show. You left a review for the show. You got in touch with me and you explained why you would be a good guest for the show. Whereas what I tend to see the majority of applications of people who try ask to be on the show is I do this. I do that. I talk about this. I'm all this. I've achieved that. And there's really nothing or very little about why they would be good for my show and my audience. And, and that's nearly always what's missing in, in the applications that I get. Either that or they're just not even relevant to the subject of the show sometimes. Right. But so, so when somebody does, like yourself, really deliver the value straight up and make it a very easy decision, it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to bring on the show. Right. <laughs> then, 
it's, it's a huge difference. It's like, I don't have to think about that. I know I want you on the show. So that, that's really the difference. And that's, I think what a lot of people don't get. And, uh, they're, they're very, I don't know if it's an ego thing or if it's just how people have been told to do this or, or whatever, but that's what I see a lot of. And as a host, I don't like it. I feel it's lazy and I don't like it when people leave the host to do all the work. Mm -hmm. Like you can watch all this stuff about me. You can read all about me here. It's like, no, I want to know why yeah. you think you'd be good for yeah, the show. Yeah, what you can do. Yeah. I, I think that's, a, I like that you brought that up because the, the pitch for lack of a better term that people are sending to be on your show, which anyone who's listening is saying, I want to be a guest on podcast. You're gonna have to send a pitch. You got to lead with value on this thing. And you've also like, I like what you mentioned. You have to also mention like what you would do, like take some of the work off of Johnny. Like you can't just be like, I'd be a good guest because I'm awesome. And you can learn more here. Like, no, like w when I pitched to be here, I, I said what I thought would be a good conversation based off of what I'd seen your previous episodes about. Like I listened to your episodes and it's funny, like some people like they, they want to do the spray and pray method with pitching. So they'll, they'll send yeah. out to a hundred people and hope that one gets back. I only send out like when I pitch you, that was the only pitch I did, like probably in that, like a three week period of time. But here's the thing. If I, if I got on the one show that I said would be like ideal for me to be on that, I know I can help and add value. And then like, that's a win. Versus me saying out to 100 and hoping that one person gets back to me. Anyway, but I, I think that going back to the whole thing, like what makes a valuable guest, it's to lead with that value. And you can really see that in the pitch. That's the first place you can see it. In addition to like leading with value and not being like a salesperson is to, you know, you brought up earlier when like uh, some guests were just talking and you didn't really get much chance to even say anything on your own show. There's something that one of my, one of my friends who's also like a, a pastor, this isn't scripture from the Bible, but it sounds like it. And he always jokes about, it. he says, blessed are the short winded because they will be welcomed back. So don't, don't be basically saying like, and he used that when you go on stage because he'd speak at a bunch of different churches and ministries and stuff. And he's like, if I go, if they give me 20 minutes and I talk for 16 minutes, guess what? They'll invite me back. And uh, I just think it's important to remember that you've got to pause, let the host speak as well. People learn in sound bites. Like if I just rant for 30 minutes on this podcast, no one can keep up with that. The conversation is what makes it powerful because it lets people process and also gives it time to actually have some depth in it versus just, like you said, just be a TED talk or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, I talked about it in my blog, like if you get invited into someone's home and I guess you, you could even use the going on a date analogy, although I'm a bit reluctant to use the going on a date analogy, but, but it's that thing of if you just go and you just talk and talk and you dominate the conversation or it's just your long winded stories, or you get asked a question and it takes you five minutes to get to anything close to an answer <laughs> or, or you're five, five minutes later, like, Oh, what was the question again? Uh, those are the things that I thought think, why, why are we having, why are we here? Why are we having this conversation? Uh, and doesn't make me think, oh, this is somebody who I want to have back on my show. Those are things that make me think, I don't know if I can publish this episode. And, and so, although I have a process for like, screening people, we have a pre-interview chat mm -hmm. and I'm getting feedback now that some people don't even like to have that. And I'm sort of like, okay, well, I'm not sure I can do without it, but yeah. I'll, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, but yeah, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. And uh, so sometimes people get through who perhaps I had a great chat with when we first connected, but uh, don't end up being publishable on, on the show, which is a shame. Yeah. Great shame. You know, I have something to add to that. Actually, one more stat I want to throw out. There was something by a report done by Convince and Convert, which is a credible website that does like a lot of stats and stuff like that. They polled thousands of podcast listeners and 50% of those listeners said that podcast episodes are too long. It's too long because ho guests are talking too much, right? But something that you just yeah. mentioned there that I also just wanted to, to touch on real quick is that like during the vetting process and stuff like that, and then, you know, they look good, they sound good, and then they jump on an episode with you and hit record. 
so you've seen this happen probably sometimes guests they totally change personality like i can be like oh man john yeah. i'm looking for this can't wait and here at the corporate i'm like hey john glad to be here you know like sometimes that happens but my advice is somebody who wants to get on a podcast do not try to change your personality like if you had a conversation with me in person I'm, I'm not exaggerating i'm exactly like i am on this a little bit intense i talk fast i talk loud that is just me as an individual and that takes a little bit of getting used to but the best thing you can do is to show up as your authentic self in a pre-interview, during the interview, because that's what people are showing up for. That's why someone like Johnny on Speaking Influence wants to have you on the show because of who you actually are, not who you're going to pretend to be during the episode. Being true and authentic to yourself is so important if you want to really succeed on either side of the mic. <laughs> I'm not religious, but that gets an amen from me. <laughs> 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 yeah, ab absolutely that. And uh, ultimately, there, there is this sort of give and take thing. And uh, and I do find a lot of people sort of come into this with the idea of like, well, this is going to help me grow and me be, get more impact and in front of more audiences as well. That's all take, take, take. And there has to be that uh, two-way street. And as we said, the, the community generally in podcasting is people who want to serve, people who really care, they're very generous with their time and their knowledge and will help you as much as they possibly can. I don't know if that's going to change as the industry changes. Um, maybe you have some thoughts about that. But right now, it pretty much is still that. People really are not coming into podcasting because they think they can make a quick buck because that is still not really, that's not really there and available to people, right? Yeah, it, it's not. And it's it's important to get that out as early as possible because I still do meet people and their their goal with podcasting is to start a show, to get millions of downloads and six months later, quit their job and just focus on it full time without having some sort of product or service outside of podcasting, like using as the direct revenue driver, just isn't going to work. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a content creation strategy or system. You've always got to have something with that in order to make it work. Like content creators don't necessarily make a lot of money. Now, there are some out there, but you've got to have something else to go with it. Having the right expectation as to why you are starting is so important. I know Simon Sinek kind of stole this, but starting with why, I think is the most important thing you can do on either side of the mic. Like what is the actual purpose of it? And I think if it's anything like you were just saying, Johnny, that's self-centered, that's too me focused, I don't think it's the right reason. It's got to be focused on other people. It's got to be focused on serving a bigger purpose somehow, some way. And if you can get that why right, I feel that everything else really stems from that. But again, that why can't be so I can quit my job or so I can get famous or I can yeah. get popular. It can't be that. It has to be so I can help somebody who's stuck in this place and has been stuck there for years get out of that spot. When you say that that's your why, you have something really great to build off of. And sure, if you you know, Johnny, like if you make a lot of money off of it and it turns into coaching opportunities or a big audience, that's a bonus. And let that happen. Let that be a bonus. But if it doesn't happen, would you still do it to serve that person that you care about? I think we've got to go to we've got to think at this granular granular level if you really want to succeed in podcasting. This is something I would like to get your thoughts on because there, there's something I something I don't like in the world of podcasting, but I don't have that much to do with it because I'm pretty good at screening for it which is there are people who really seem to just want to be pod famous. Like they don't really have any expertise necessarily. They don't necessarily even have an exceptional story or history or achievements or anything like that. They just want to get on podcasts and talk to people. And whilst I don't have any objection to that, I, I don't see the point of doing that when I think podcasting is not really so much of a superficial platform because of its longer form nature, perhaps. Whereas perhaps YouTube that can be a, a lot more visual and, uh, and edited, well edited, or Instagram and reels and whatever else is out there, TikTok and all that kind of stuff, which can be very instant, very flashy and, and very image and superficial kind of thing. 
podcasting, in my opinion at least, isn't really that. And perhaps that's why I don't see that being a good idea in terms of trying to get into podcasting. But I wonder what your thoughts are. Yeah, you know, I, I've actually started, this is like a newer thing, Johnny. I, I started noticing this probably within the last year of people kind of showing up in the industry that just want more, like they want more likes, they want more followers, right? Like that, that's what they're after. And I, I think it kind of happened around the time of like the rise of Clubhouse, which is kind of like had a rise and fall in, in my mind. Do you remember the, Do you remember Clubhouse? Like am I speaking a foreign language? Yeah, I'm still I'm still. Oh, good. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> From time yeah, to time. So, like, and I think it, not, not that it's like gone, but I think at one point it, it like really hit a peak. Like, it was everywhere, yeah. especially like st US stateside for me. It was mentioned on every headline. It was all over the place. And I think that that really kind of bred this idea of, oh, audio is a good platform for me to get followers with. Um, because, you know, you could follow each other on it. And that wasn't the purpose of it. I think they had actually really good intent with, with the way they designed it. Um, but I think that a lot of those people carried over into the podcast land as well, right? Because they're like, ooh, it's working the same way when it really doesn't. I don't think it's a good technique, but I think it's the job of show hosts, once again, that have an audience in mind to do their best to shield their audience from people like that, that are just showing up because all they care about is, am I going to get any more followers from this? And I, I get that that's kind of like a, a target for people or a goal. And I don't, I don't want to like dog it too much if that's really what you want to do, I guess. But shows like yours and mine that have a real purpose that are really helping people we have to be the shield to make sure that those people don't get to our audience at the end of the day. Yeah, the, the reality is you know, there, there are people who are sometimes applied to be on the show and they want to talk about the subject of the show even, but they don't have any experience or expertise to bring to it. And like, well, whilst I am happy to have conversations, when it comes to the content that I put out, there is that level of, I want there to be actionable takeaways for people or things that be that, oh, I'm going to think about that. Or, all right, and then hopefully from this conversation, people are thinking, oh, well, if I haven't been a guest on podcast, perhaps this is something that I should be looking at doing and could really help me to, to grow and develop my business, which I think is what it does have a huge potential for right now. I don't have anything against people who want to utilize the platform. I just think it's going to be a very hard journey for them yeah. when i i think that most podcasts unless they are just far more generalized podcasts are not going to do that and because they don't have any specialization they're not really going to pick up any tangible audience as well right. they're just going to get random clicks and likes i guess i don't know i don't know but that's that's my thoughts but do you do you think the industry is going to change with all the growth that's happening and uh, a lot more bigger names and the things turning up the heat in the world of podcasting and as as the ability to make money and perhaps even be a, a more full-time podcaster becomes clear that more people will move into this as a, all right, I think I can make a bucket. Yeah. I mean, we're, so you brought up earlier how like uh, Netflix is doing some stuff in podcasting now, like they hired somebody for that. So did YouTube. The more competitive all these platforms that distribute our podcast episodes, which is free for us, by the way, right? Like you and I don't pay for that. They're the yeah. distributors of it. The more competitive they all get to earn our business, because they want us to like be on their platform, the more features and more like promise they have of putting it in front of people. That's great for us. Here's the thing. If there was only one place to listen, like at one point there was, when you ask for another feature, they're like, get lost. Like I'm not making anything else. Like we're your only option. And now when, you know, when you yeah. say that, it's funny, like I have, so over here, like my internet is Comcast and there's also AT&T as an option. For years, there was no AT&T option. There was only Comcast option for internet. So when I call them, be like, hey, my internet's not working. They'd be like, cool, try it later and don't call us again. And then when AT&T showed up, they called me. Hey, is everything good? Is everything great? Do you need anything from us? Because they want to keep my business. Now there's another option. In podcasting, we're seeing that happen with all the products, tools, and services. Now everyone is saying, we've got to keep these podcasters happy. 
so they'll stay with us. When that's happening, the whole industry grows as a result because they're getting it in front of more people for us without us really doing much. From an SEO perspective, it's getting out there from how fast it loads to what kind of devices you can listen on. I mean, listening to podcasts in a car like seven or eight years ago was not an option. You could not listen in a car. Like mm-hmm. it, that just, it, nothing was there for it. Now think about it. I can click a button on any device I have in my house and it'll play a podcast. Because of that type of growth, I agree with you. Yes, we are going to see the increase of more like big names getting podcasting, but also the small names rising up through the ranks and becoming somebody that is trending, that people want to listen to, they want to hear, and even building some celebrity status. Like I think of a really big podcaster, Jordan Harbinger, he was not, he had no celebrity status before he started podcasting. I don't know how many downloads he gets per month now, but at one point it was like 12,000 a month, people listening to a show. The dude has a lot of celebrity behind his name, but he started as a podcaster, nothing before that. And I think that we are going to see more people rise like that. Not that that should be the focus. Yeah. I think it has to, again, lead with value. But I think that as you're doing that, you'll see these people come through that are, I think, providing the most value, have the strongest why. They're going to rise through the ranks. And we're going to see some really cool things happen in this industry. But Johnny, but I, can't, I can't tell you what this thing looks like in the next two, three years. Like, honestly, I have no idea. I feel like no. we're at the cusp of something really great, though. I do too, and I and and I look forward to that unraveling and, and revealing itself. Jordan Harbinger is is one of my favorite podcasters who, who I like to tune into as well, and a big fan, and and also a super nice guy. Like one of these people, I just thought, oh, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that well, having a podcast has made me a bit braver, perhaps than I yeah, used yeah, to be too. before. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, okay. so I, th- I think I've yeah. heard this from other podcasters too. When it's for the sake of your podcast, you'll do it. So I reached out to Jordan, and he. And said, look, Jordan, I'd love to speak to you and have you on the show and stuff like that. And, and he said, in principle, he said yes. But you know, there are some conditions around that. And, you know, uh, when, I, when I'm ready to meet those conditions, we will uh, arrange bringing him on the show. But super nice guy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and really happy to connect and chat. I think that's another positive to actually having the show of, of being able to make those kinds of connections. Because, you know, I've t- told you about some of the people who I've connected with. And you've seen some of the episodes oh, yeah. that I've had with Brilliant people episodes. as well. I've had some. Yeah, I've had some incredible yeah. guests of this. Even in the earliest days of the show, I had people like Mike Michalowicz agreeing to be which on the show. Nuts. And it's like, well, which is nuts, especially for a show that had hardly any following at the time, but he was more than happy to do it and super generous as well. So I've been, I've been very lucky as a podcaster, but I wonder for you, who are the people who you've been most excited to connect with through podcasting? Yeah. So like with my show, like I mentioned Michael Hyatt early on, like he was really like probably the biggest influence in my life for many years. That was really cool. Aaron Walker. I know I'm just sounding like a repeat of the Grant Baldwin episode that I think everyone's probably already listened to, but like those two people, like (laughs) they were both on my show and just people that I've really respected and learned from. Brendan Richard will always be on my list. I don't know if he's, he's, you know, he's a big name and like, I'm sure there's thousands of people reaching out to connect with him every day somehow or his team. So who knows if that ever happened, but that's somebody I'd really love to have, have add value to my audience just because I know that he'd just be an ideal fit. But those are some people that, again, like really that I respect in the podcasting space. Jordan Harbinger, I think he's, he's a brilliant host. Like the way that he asks questions, the way he's bold about it, I think he's actually like one of the most underrated big podcasters out there. Like he's just really talented with it. But those are some people that I'd probably mention. I don't know if that answers what you're looking for there, but that's kind of like my thoughts with what you said. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, whatever comes up is whatever comes up. Uh, I know that an event that you run recently uh, related through through Podmatch, uh, you had some really great speakers at the event. One of whom I was very excited to get the chance to hear from was uh, James Altucher. Oh yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, and so so I was all thinking, well, you get to connect with people like that through podcasting, people who you may have following. Like if you're if you're big on 
personal or professional development, if you are uh, in the game to sort of learn, grow, develop in any part of your life, you will know some of the, some of the people, some of the big names and some of the maybe even not so big names who have maybe amazing books or amazing podcasts themselves or YouTube channels. And podcasting can give you that opportunity to, to connect with them and actually have a conversation as we are now. And, and that's one of, one of my favorite things about it, but it's not always the, not necessarily the best thing about it, but it is an amazing thing with podcasts. Yeah. You know, it, now, now that you mentioned that makes me think of two more names, like James Altucher. I consider him to be the most interesting entrepreneur ever. Like the guy is just fascinating. Like he's done so many crazy things. Like if, if, if you're listening to this, you don't know who he is, look up James Altucher, find him sharing a story. He shares like on YouTube, all over the place. <laughs> the dude, you're, you're like, this can't be a real person. I mean, it's just crazy. But another one like that I connected with was, was Seth Godin, which most people are like, how on earth did you like connect with Seth Godin? And I led with value. I brought him on my show, but like I really went after him. But that's a connection that without that, I wouldn't have because I know he, it's a lot of money if you're going to book even an hour of his time. Like if you want him to speak in an event, I know it's, it's, it's a lot of money. Like you're going to be spending more than $10,000, I think a lot more than that, just to have this guy talk for an hour. He did not charge me to come on my podcast. It's an opportunity that I will never get if I didn't have a podcast. That's another, like you're saying, that's a huge benefit to having a show. And not that you need to go off those A-list people like in their space, like obviously he's an A-list marketer. But at the end of the day, like even you and I, we would not be having this long of a conversation getting to, to know each other, getting to learn how each other thinks. Like we wouldn't get to do this if it weren't for a podcast. Like there's no way either of us would be like, hey, let's get an hour on each other's time. But we've now had that opportunity. And I think that's a really great bond. So if you call me next week, hey, Ox, I want to chat. But yeah, I'm gonna, I have time available on my calendar for people that I have worked with like you before. Uh, and I'm sure it's the same for you. If you're just somebody who I, yeah. if, if I didn't know who Johnny Ball was and you reached out, I might be like, hey, we can maybe do a 15 minute call, but I, I got to stay focused, right? But now we, we have that bond created. So I think that's another just powerful element. Like we could collaborate at any point. We have a lot of synergy between us. Like anyway, ranting there, but that's yeah. an exciting thing for me. <laughs> it, it, is, it is to me as well. And I definitely get that. And when I first got into personal development, everyone was always trying to get their photograph taken with somebody who was a big name in the industry. Mm. And then they put that all over social media on their websites as if they knew them and they probably had just managed to get five <laughs> seconds with the person if that. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's the, it's the association factor. But when you've actually done a podcast with somebody, it's, there's, no, there's no doubt that the association is there and it's a much deeper, much deeper level thing. And um, there's so many more things we could talk about, but I also want to keep an eye on time and I know that we're sort of coming to the end of our time together. And so before we get to that, I, I did want to very quickly share one of the best things about PodMatch for me because I think people should be guests on podcasts. And it's essential to have a media profile and PubMatch actually has that built in for you to have a media profile that you can share out even outside of PubMatch. And you can use that as your media one sheet. Everyone who's a podcast guest should have that. It's a professional thing. And uh, PubMatch has it all laid out for you and, and have all your photos loaded and all that. So that's, I just love that feature. It's one of my favorite things about PubMatch. And uh, so I just yeah, wanted to fit that Thanks for mentioning that. I appreciate that. What I did want to get to is though, People may be interested to know more about you and what's the best way to find out more about you and what you do. Yeah, so I have a, a single landing page which has everything I do. So you can find everything at podpros.com, podpros.com. You can find the podcast, you can find Podmatch, you can find Podcast SOP, our, our events, anything we do, it's all right there. So that's kind of like my hub that I send everybody to. And I, But honestly, Johnny, what you're doing here with Speaking Influence, like this is where I recommend people to hang out. You're taking people on a great journey. I, as a listener myself, I cannot mention how much I appreciate what you do on this show. So thank you so much. And this is the place to be hanging out. I really believe that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I very much appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much. 
I always ask my guests for a book recommendation. Now, I know you mentioned Brendan Bouchard's uh, book earlier. Are there, is there any other book that you may recommend to listeners of the show to check out? Yeah, I, I, I always have book recommendations. I read a book a week, so I'm always like really moving on it. But one that I read last year that kind of blew my mind, and it's a really underrated book, but it's, it's called The Mom Test. And it's by Rob Fitzpatrick, brilliant guest. Like he's been on my show. He's, he's amazing. But this book teaches you how to ask better questions especially when you're trying to figure out like what type of product or service to offer. And the idea is to ask questions so good that not even your mom could lie to you. Because here's the thing. If you've got a mom that loves you like I do, if I told my mom, mom, I got an idea for business, I'm going to make an umbrella that doesn't block up the sun and doesn't stop rain from hitting you. My mom would say, oh, honey, you're going to succeed in anything you do. Go for it. Do it. But if I asked that question a different way and said, hey, mom, what would you think of like an umbrella that didn't stop the sun and didn't keep rain from, from coming through? Now I took myself out of the equation. I asked a really good question. And the whole idea of that book, The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick, really explains that in detail. And I've found it to be just so helpful for me in my journey. So that's a book I would highly recommend. Great. Well, you've made me want to check it out as well now. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Always enjoy a good recommendation. I do like to also ask guests, what is your influence and persuasion superpower? You know, I, 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 this has shifted for me over the years. It probably used to be like my critical thinking, my strategy, but it has really turned into me being empathetic toward other people which is a, something I've learned. I didn't naturally have this, but just being empathetic toward what other people want, what their needs are, where they're trying to go in life. The more I've been able to develop that soft skill in my life, like to just be an empathetic person and put myself in their shoes, the better I've done across the board. And so I think if I have one at this point, that is my, my focus and my superpower at this point. I really appreciate that. It's a great superpower to have. And it's probably taken up a little bit more of your time than it should have today, but I've really enjoyed the conversation and it's been great to have you on the show. I knew you were going to be so much fun to talk to and you have been and you've really delivered. If there's just one thing you hope people will take away from this conversation above everything else, what do you hope that will be? Yeah, thanks again for having me, man. And I would say this, seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. Seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. I always find the profit seems to follow the value that you add to people. If you focus on that and anything that you're doing and your influence and your speaking, whatever it might be, I'm telling you, it's going to cause you to go a lot further. It takes a lot of pressure off yourself as well. So seek to be that person of value instead of that person. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for coming on Speaking Influence. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you did, then please consider leaving a rating for us. If you are listening on Spotify, there's a good chance you might have your device in your hand right now. So long as you've listened to at least 30 seconds of the show, you are able to leave us a star rating. Just click the three dots next to the episode and you will see the opportunity to leave a rating for the show. Of course, honest ratings are much appreciated as it helps to show me whether or not we're doing a good job. If you'd prefer to leave more of a review and let us know what you like and maybe even what you don't like, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or on podchaser.com. And certainly we've been getting some great reviews recently and we would love to see more of that. It really does help people to find the show and to be able to know what kind of quality entertainment and information they'll be receiving. I'm very happy to be announcing that we are currently setting up dates for some amazing guests, people like Erin King, the author of Your Kind of a Big Deal and Digital Persuasion, and also Chris Ducker, Mr. Youpreneur himself. We are working to finalize a date for that recording, as well as a lot of other incredible guests. So we are really stepping our game up here at Speaking Influence 
and we hope that you'll stick with us for that and make sure you stay subscribed to the show. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for my upcoming reviews of influence and persuasion books that I'm going to be recommending that you read and telling you exactly why I think you should read them. And that's going to be starting off with the Dale Carnegie classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, make your decision that this week is going to be an amazing week. I'll look forward to connecting with you again very soon on another episode of Speaking Influence. Bye for now.